feel like I'm entering the octagon, man. That's awesome. Love that. Hey, so good to see you guys uh, here this morning. I want to welcome you guys that are here. I uh, want to shout out to those of you who are watching online at the microsites. Uh, St. George, what up? Wes Henderson, so glad you guys are all here. Let's give everyone a hand. Awesome. Hey, I want to start with a question. Do you have painful people in your life? Right? I mean, do you have like these people who are just like hypercritical and judgmental and condemning and like they're fault finding. They find fault in you and other people and everything. And I don't know about you, but these people exhaust me. Right? Like they just suck the life out of me. And frankly, I'm really tempted to just remove all critical people from my life completely except for this one little thing. I'm one of them. Hi, my name is Scott, and I'm a critical person. Thank you. Got some recovery people here. That's awesome. Appreciate it. <laughs> and the thing is, I, I didn't always know that about myself. It's, it's relatively new. Apparently, this is something I've carried on through most of my life and, and wasn't aware of it. But they say that, that being critical is, is like uh, ha- having bad breath. Is You recognize it when it comes out of someone else's mouth, but not always your own. And so that was me as I had critical breath for a long time. And, and I feel so bad when I look back at, at like some of the people who worked for me, you know, back when I, when I was, a, when I, you know, as I've been a boss throughout my career, because I was always the boss who just assumed that we all know what's working. We don't need to talk about what's going well. There's no reason to celebrate or congratulations because we should be doing that. Let's focus on where you're missing the mark. You know, let's really just hunker down and deal with the things that aren't what they need to be. Nobody likes to work for that guy. And my poor kids, God love them. Because I was the dad that if you brought home a report card with five A's and a B, guess what we're talking about? The B, because the A, that's the expectation. That's what you're supposed to, what's up with this B? Let's deep dive this B. And I didn't realize I was being critical. I thought I was just being attentive. You know, I, I thought, I just pay attention more than other people do maybe. But, but I, don't, I, you know, I, I don't think I'm alone in this, all right? You know, I'm working on it, but I'm not the only one. Let's be honest here. You know, whether, whether, whether you are occasionally critical or chronically critical, I think we all struggle with this to one degree or another, don't we? You know, and, and the thing is that it's funny because we don't like to be criticized, yet we don't have a problem criticizing others. And I think part of that reason is we feel justified because they make it so easy. You know, if they didn't make it so easy, then maybe we wouldn't do it, you know. But, but, but they make it it's so easy that, that uh, we feel very justified. That if, if they weren't so, so weird, you know, if they weren't so slow, if they weren't so bad with money, if they weren't so full of themselves, then we wouldn't need to criticize these people, would we? I mean, God has a wonderful plan for your life, and so do I. And if you don't do the way, things the way that I think you should do them, then I will criticize the way you raise your kids, the way you dress, what you post on Instagram, how you drive, and where you went for your last vacation, because I know you're in debt and you can't afford to go anywhere anyway. <laughs> I don't like the way you walk. I don't like the way you chew. I don't like the jokes you tell. I don't like the way you breathe. Seriously. Some of you have said that or at least thought it. You know it's true. But it doesn't matter whether or not it actually comes out of our mouths. It doesn't matter if we can zip our lips or not because the fact is it's in there. 
The fact that we feel this way and we have these opinions and we, and we can be like this, it's in there. And here's what Jesus says about that. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whether, whether, whether we speak it or not, it is in there already. And we have got to deal with these critical hearts, folks. We've got to deal with it because they're poisoning our relationships and, and our souls. And so we're going to jump in today. I've got a couple of passages that I want to look at uh, you know, uh, dealing with this, dealing with the idea of, of criticism and dealing with the idea of judgment because they're very closely related. And so the first one is this Ephesians topic. It's Ephesians 4.29. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for, for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And, and this is really important because a couple of things, I, I want to highlight this idea of unwholesome talk because the translator here is being super generous. Because when Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus, what he was literally saying in the original language was, do not let any rotted or corrupt talk come out of your mouth. It's a little more hardcore, a little bit more punch, matches our music, our intro music. A little bit, a little bit more punch to it. And what Paul is saying is that when we speak in such a way, when we communicate in such a way that we're not building others up according to their needs, it's just garbage coming out of us and getting on other people. Just this, this old rotted garbage or corruption getting on other people. And he says, again, helpful for building others up according to their needs. What? Because not according to our needs, right? Because we think, you know what? Here's what you need to do. I've decided you need to be this way, do things this way, operate this way. And we think we're being helpful. Have you ever had someone be helpful to you? And tell you what you need to do and how you need to be. And the whole time they're doing that, they're just shredding your soul. Well, we do that to others as well. We've done that to others. Jesus puts it this way. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use... It will be measured to you, right? We wanted to accentuate that last part because that's important with that same measure. Do not judge Jesus. And this is a passage that everybody knows. You don't have to be at church or ever have walked, set foot in a church to know the do not judge passage. As soon as someone starts doing that to you, you're all like, don't judge me, bro. Bible says don't judge me, right? Well, kind of, but not really. Because the truth is, that the Bible talks about judgment throughout, and there are, there are right judgments, and then there's this other kind of judgment. That there are right judgments that we are absolutely called to make. And that's where, man, when you see somebody that you love, that you care about, and they're going down a road, and you, man, you see where this path is heading, and it's going to be harmful. Man, you come alongside them in humility and compassion and love. You bring this right judgment to them in a way that will build them up according to their needs. But there's another type of judgment where we are criticizing and condemning. And that is the judgment that Jesus is talking about when he says, do not judge. And in fact, he's saying, anytime you feel yourself beginning to judge, you probably want to check yourself a little bit. Be really careful how you enter into it. Because like it says, you know, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In the same way you judge others, you will be 
judged. Are you okay with that? Are you okay if from now on, the same measure, the same means, the same mode of the way that you judge others, that, that you will be judged? Because I don't think I am. Because the truth is that when we judge, we don't always judge fairly, do we? One of the things that we do when we judge is I, we, we feel way too comfortable judging other people's motives. That we will take an action, a story, and we will attribute a, a, a motive to that. Seldom is it a good motive. It's always a negative motive. Oh, that guy walked by me and did the same thing because he thinks he's better than me. I didn't get invited to that party because, you know, well, they, they, they just don't like me or they just think whatever. You know, we, 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 we attribute these negative motives. You know, we tell ourselves these stories and we really don't have all the information. I think back to years ago when I used to work for Citibank. We were, we were having this, this big meeting and they brought in this big wig from corporate and she came and she was doing this presentation and we're in this conference room around this, this you know, eight, ten foot conference table and she's at one end and she's doing her, her PowerPoint presentation up there and I'm at the other end just directly across from her but I'm not really paying attention because my contact's messed up. And so I can't really see her presentation. I can't focus and my contact is messed up. And so I'm just trying to attend to it and trying to be able to focus and, and see what, hear what she's saying. And, and finally my contact goes back on my eyeball like it's supposed to. And I look at her and she's still doing her presentation. But every now and then she'll look directly at me and just sneer. <laughs> just give me like this horrible look. I mean, just like, you know, and I'm like, and so I'm like, I got something in my teeth. And so you do that, that thing to feel anything. And there's nothing there. I'm like, why is this woman looking? I mean, she's looking at me like really hatefully. And then my contact is messed up again. And so then I, I begin to fix it. And then it dawns on me why this woman is looking at me so harshly. Because the entire time she's up here giving a presentation, I am at the opposite end of the table going. <laughs> trying to fix my contact. Well, no wonder she was mad at me. She thinks I'm winking during her whole presentation. But the point is we can't always judge people's motives. You know what? Sometimes there are creepers, but sometimes I just have something in my eye. So we need to be careful with this. It's not all right. Another way that we judge people is sometimes I think we are just way too confident that we know what people need to do. And we know, you know how they need to act. And we know what will fix them even though we don't always have all the information, that we are convinced that we know exactly how others should behave, believe, and basically how they should just be. But we're not God. We don't have all the information. We don't know what's going on in their life. We don't know what they just came from or where they're going to or what their deepest struggles are. We don't know any of that. And the same way you judge, you will be judged. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with people judging your motives even though they don't really have a clue what they are? Are you okay with people having an opinion about you when they haven't even bothered to get the whole story? Because that's what we do. Jesus challenges us. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. 
And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, Jesus is painting this comical picture here in this moment. I'm telling you, at first century Jerusalem, this would have killed, okay? Because he's going, okay, there's these two guys, and they're friends, right? And one's got like this thing in his eye, like his contact is all jacked up or whatever. And the other buddy of his has a two-by-four sticking out of his head, right? But the, but the buddy's like trying to fix the other guy's, you know, speck in his eye. And so he's all like, let me help you with that, bro. And he's beating him about the head and shoulders with his plank. Seriously, this would have killed first century Jerusalem, I'm telling you, right? But Jesus is trying to make a point because sometimes he would do this. He would just say something ridiculous to get people's attention, to make a point. And he's making the point here that oftentimes we tell ourselves that we're being helpful. But in fact, we are just beating people about the head and shoulders with our own personal two-by-four. That Jesus is telling us that in order to truly be helpful for others, to build them up in the way that is helpful, in the way they need to be built up, we've got to deal with our own junk first. We've got to remove the plank from our eye before we can go after other people's stuff. Consider this, this paraphrase of that same passage. It says this, Refuse to be a critic full of bias towards others. And judgment won't be passed on to you. For you'll be judged by the same standards that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and yet fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? How can you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong, when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypocritical and a hypocrite. First, acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them. And then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spots of your friend. See, most of us feel so justified when we're being critical. That we're so focused on, 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 on the other person and why it's kind of their fault. That if my spouse treated me better, I wouldn't nag them all the time. If my boss was a better leader, I wouldn't be so critical of her. If, they did, if those people did a better job raising their kids, I wouldn't need to consistently and constantly interfere. But the truth is that we are condemning and we are critical because of our own junk. Think about it. Many of us are critical because that's what we've been taught. That's how we grew up. It's a learned behavior. That maybe you had a parent or caregiver who constantly pointed out your flaws and the flaws of others around you. That criticism was the language spoken in your house and now you've become fluent in it. That oftentimes this type of criticism is motivated by perfectionism. That you may have grown up feeling like you were never good enough. That your grades were never good enough. Your skills were never good enough. Your abilities, your talents, your effort was never good enough. And now the people you love are hearing that from you. Because you're fluent in criticism. And sometimes it's more than just learned behavior. Sometimes I think we're critical because of our own emotional pain. 
And sometimes it, it can just be insecurity. You know, sometimes we, we, we want to beat other people to the punch because of our own insecurity. Before someone can judge me, I want to judge them. Before they can look down on me, I'm going to look down on them. We do this, don't we? That our own insecurity makes us more critical of others. There, there's one area for me that this is, is super obvious. I mean, there's, there's lots of areas, but we can only get into the one. There's this one area in my life where this just shows up time and time again, and it's ridiculous and it's stupid, but it's true. It has to do with people who handwrite thank you cards um, for birthday presents that I've given them. I will check my mail, be going, days going fine, happy, whatever. All of a sudden, I will get a thank you card from somebody. And immediately, I feel bad about myself. Because I'm not a thank you card kind of guy. I'm not the guy that will take the time to do that. That if you give me a present, I will thank you in person. I will email you. I will text you. I will call you. I will do that. But I am not going to sit down and write out a handwritten thank you and put an envelope, stick a stamp on it, and mail it to you. I'm not going to do that. So as soon as I receive that from you, I feel judged. Because I know at some point you probably gave me a present and then I didn't take time to sit down and write down a card and send it to you because you're a card person. You automatically think less of me and you're wondering, you know, what's wrong with him that he doesn't send a card and now you feel you're better than me and now I'm just mad because I don't know what to do next because it seems like the right thing to do would be for me to sit down and write a thank you for the note that they gave me to send back to them for the gift I gave them and it makes me crazy and I get very critical. But I'm working on it, all right? But you see how just our own insecurity does this crazy thing. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> but it does this in us, doesn't it? And sometimes, sometimes it, goes, it goes much deeper than that. For some of us, it's more than just simple insecurity. It is deep, deep pain. That for some of you, maybe you've experienced just childhood trauma or abuse or loss. And, and man, you've got this deep pain inside you all the time. And it comes out as criticism, as condemnation. And it gets on the people you love. It gets on your spouse and your kids and your friends. And as I see people like this. Man, my heart just breaks for them because I know what's going on. That, that inside what's happening is it, it's this cry for help. I mean, it, it's, it's counterproductive, but it, it's this cry for help that they've got all this pain in them and they want the people closest to them to be there to love them and, and care for them. And so somehow it comes out as, 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 as criticism, as, as condemnation, as belittling. But really it's just this, I want you to know that I'm in a lot of pain and I need you to draw near. But the more that they hammer their spouse and their kids and their friends, they move further away and the further away that person moves or those people move, the deeper my pain and my shame is. And then the more junk comes out and I push people away. It's this horrible criticism cycle that works against the people whose hearts are breaking as it is because of their own pain. See, the point is we got to deal with this, folks. As you can see, whether, whether it's the, 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 the language you learned or it's these insecurities or it's this deep pain that that these critical hearts that they poison our relationships and they darken our souls. 
So we've got to deal with this. And I think one of, the first, one of the first things we need to do, one of the ways we can begin to deal with this is we need to start checking ourselves. And, 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 and we need to be more aware of what's going on inside of us. That we, we need to stop assuming that we're right. We need to stop assuming that when I've got an opinion about somebody, when I've got this judgment thing, that let's, let's stop assuming that we're right when we're being critical. And let's start to really question our deeper motives. Is this really about that person or is it about my own junk? That when we recognize that we have a strong opinion about someone or how they should be, ask, your, ask yourself this question, is, is this really about them or is it maybe about me? Is this about their speck or is it really about my plank? Sometimes it's about their spout, their speck. Like I said, sometimes we need to make a right judgment, but, but that will look completely different than my plank judgment. That, that we'll know it's a right judgment, or we can suspect that it is, if we are holding an opinion or trying to make a right judgment because we've prayerfully thought through this. And what we want is we don't want to c- condemn or criticize or accuse. We want to build this person up in the way that they need to be built up. And we're going to do our best. We're going to do the hard work of empathizing and trying to put ourselves in their shoes and trying to understand what their world is like before we come at them head on. And even as we do that, even after we do that work, we are still going to acknowledge that we are not God. We don't have all the information And so we will hold our opinion humbly and loosely as we come to that person. And we will see that person as a struggling child of God, just like I am, instead of something else. We'll see them as a a full-fledged human being like I am, instead of a, a, a project or an obstacle or an enemy. That's how we'll know that we're actually going to be helpful to somebody. But if we check inside and we find out there's something else going on, what we may very well discover is that my criticism and my judgment is actually more about my need to control the situation or my need to deflect some of this interior pain that we were just talking about. And I'll recognize that plank because that plank will make sure that I am stubbornly certain that I'm right. I know this is what they should do. I know, I know, I I mean, we'll do that. We're not, somehow we forget we're not God. We don't have the information. I know this is how it should be. This is how you should act. This is how people should be. And as much as I won't want to admit it, judging others and being critical brings me a sense of comfort, doesn't it? I mean, think about it. When you spot faults in others, doesn't it make you feel a little bit better about yourself? We can be honest. Just a couple of thousand of us here. We can share this, right? Come on. I mean, we do, right? We, 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 something about seeing someone. Okay, we need, that's, that's my plank. That's my plank. Or the other thing is that, that sometimes we're going to criticize people to feel more in control. That when I, when I criticize a, another person into doing things the way that I think they should do, it gives me a sense of comfort, like things are going to be okay. This is, the world's not too scary. Things going the way I need it to. 
But ultimately, we will know that it's more about our plank than it is about their speck. Because when we consider this person, whether we're saying something or holding it in our hearts, we will consider that person somehow less than me in some way. That we will make them a victim that needs to be rescued, an enemy that needs to be fought, a project that needs to be accomplished, or anything other than a struggling and imperfect child of God like me. And once we identify that, man, this, this actually is probably more about my own plank. This is more about, about my own junk. Then we can invite Jesus in to compassionately deal with that plank in our eye. I highlight this word compassionately because some of you really need to, need to understand this. That some of you, even as we've been talking about all this, your shame is rising. That you, because you've got this screaming critical voice in your head as it is all the time. And usually it's screaming at you and sometimes it screams at others. But people don't have an idea how much that voice is really just focused inward. And even as you're hearing this, you're beginning to, to have more and more hate of yourself and get more and more upset and feel more and more shame. And so ultimately what you're doing is you're bringing your, your criticizing nature to go against your criticizing nature. You're bringing your criticalness to try to fight your criticalness, and that's not at all where healing happens. You invite Jesus in because Jesus came to bring a judgment, not a condemning one and not a critical one, but one that will build you up according to your needs. See, you can, you can, you can admit this. It's safe. It's safe to admit you've got this junk in you because, number one, it's not going to shock Jesus. He knows it. He knows it's there. And he's, and, and he's safe with it because he'll come in and he won't make you feel worse about it. He's going to be like, oh, yeah, I knew that was there. And I'm glad, I'm glad you're, you're, you're finally willing to admit that. How about, how about we work on this? What do you say? Because he wants to bring healing and hope to that. So you're safe. Inviting him into that. And then maybe you, you start to meet with a counselor or a trusted friend and, and help Jesus navigate all that together as you begin to look at what is the core issue? What is this deep hurt? What's really going on? And if, if that hurt is deep enough and profound enough, spoiler alert, you will probably at some point need to forgive someone from your past. That's how you'll move forward. For some of you, you may need to forgive you. But the point is that, that as you do this work with Jesus, when, when you're tempted to be critical of others, you can practice turning towards him and trusting his peace and his provision instead of allowing yourself to experience being driven by your desire to be right or safe. You trust Jesus instead. Brene Brown says, only when we feel comfortable with our own choices and embrace our own imperfections, we will stop feeling the driving need to criticize others. That as you surrender this to Jesus, as you do the hard work of dealing with your inner junk, what happens is your peace increases. And as your sense of peace and peacefulness increases, your critical heart softens. Think of the peaceful people you know in your life. How critical are they? They're not. They can still speak truth. They can still give wisdom and advice and direction, but they do it from this place of peace. And so their words are, 
are soft and kind and encouraging. And they build others up according to their needs. And that's what happens is as our peace increases, so does our ability to correct others with grace. We can then bring that right judgment. We can then begin to deal with that speck because once you've done the hard work in yourself, you know how bloody and messy and painful that is. And so when you're going to go to somebody else and and invite them into that kind of work, you're going to come humbly and graciously and compassionately because you know what they're up against. You know how hard it is. And you will come lovingly and your words will be seasoned with grace and mercy as you bring that judgment to them. Bottom line is this. So this this series that we've been in, the theme verse for this is John 10.10. And Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, that that word full is so much bigger than that in the original language. It's this idea of superabundance, of overflowing abundance of life. That Jesus is saying, I have a plan for your life. And this plan involves you becoming this self-replenishing spring of life. That you just, it just wells up in you and it overflows and it gets on other people and it brings life and hope and health and healing and refreshing. But the enemy also has a plan for your life. That his plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. Did you know that one of the names of, of, of the enemy, one of the names of Satan in the Bible is the accuser? Because he accuses the people of God day and night, nonstop, condemning, criticizing, judging. That's interesting considering today's topic. I think it begs this question. What kind of people are we going to be? What kind of people are we going to be in the world? Are we going to be people of fullness, of abundance, that bring hope and health and healing and refreshment to others? Or are we going to be a people who stand with the enemy in condemnation and judgment?